freaking trippy, Mike. We? What? Mike? And we're buying mics all across. You can be my wingman anytime. Space. You can be mine. Anytime. Buzzing these towers. San Francisco. <laughs> we bought a mic. Uh, hey, hey guys. Hey, what's that up? was great. Yeah. Like uh, kudos for that song. Thank I like you. how we we just don't ever know. I'm like, are we just saying mic on repeat? Are we like spelling out the things that we're going to be catching up on today? Mm-hmm. Just making catch up noises. Usually, usually, I just kind of sit back in the cut. You know, yeah. I just sit in the fold and, and wait it out. Especially when it's a new song, I need to feel it out. We've we that one has popped up a couple times. It's not the go-to, <laughs> but we've been kind of riding on the same one for a little, a few yeah. episodes. So Brand identity. So we gotta gotta go back to our old roots of just like yeah, totally winging it a little bit. Well, when it, yeah, when I turn on a pod, like if the theme song isn't there, I turn it off. Right. I don't care what's afterward. I, I don't search anything. I see what's on my Discover page, and I put it on. Is well, that, I mean, a, we is have that to, a thing? I'm yeah. Li- yeah, I'm listening to a podcast in, like, Lithuanian right now oh, that's shit. about uh, politics over there. Oh, okay. And, well, I think it's about politics. I really don't know. They keep <laughs> yes. saying politique. Great right. song, though. Amazing welcome, song. Welcome to the show. I'm Ernest. I am Hunter. And I'm uh, here, too. And i just like to say that there is a... Uh, an apology due to the listeners who never even got the chance to hear our thoughts on Cats 2019 oh. and Jeremy Renner's um, foray yeah, into I... soft rock, soft alt yeah. rock. And my game show. Yes. So there was a whole lost episode. It's that, that just it... gone. Well, you know, I was thinking about it and it's like that one was just for us. You know, <laughs> we sat here. We talked about it was Marvel the best at Comic Con that we've ever had. Yeah. No, I hated it. I hated being here for it. <laughs> the only purpose was for fuck the, the people, and now it's gone forever. And God. now it's gone forever. So I'd just like to say that now for the next hour, we're just going to be talking about cats, 2019, their hideous humanoid faces, and how furry Hollywood is after me I just and they're actually behind the episode disappearing Whoa. and <laughs> so i just want to say um i didn't know that we were talking about cats i had finally stopped thinking about it care. it's been over a week and i finally was able to push cats out of my mind and you just brought it all back in it's just exposing my ptsd and trauma that i underwent yeah. watching that trailer i'm i'm telling you there is an underlying conspiracy something here. happened here it's either cats or it's uh, the Emmys. It's definitely that, that cats. Someone's silencing. It's us. definitely it's not probably, your computer program. It's probably Taylor Swift because she's not into people talking shit about her. Exactly. In fact, she will make a very long notes app post on her socials if you do anything to slight her, and don't you dare because then an army of white women will come after you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, let's get into our catch-up corner. And I want to talk a little bit about a film that I saw. And you mm. uh, you saw it too, Yeah, Hunter, I did. Right? It's True called Artisan Film. It's called The Last Black Man in San Francisco. And it is the latest release from A24. Uh, and it was kind of like a darling film from Sundance, yep. I believe. Yeah, Sundance is where it premiered. Um, First time filmmaker Joe Talbot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe it is based on his life. It's kind of it's a dramatized version of his life, but I mean the uh, the main uh, actor that we have here. Um, I'm sorry, I don't have his name right in front of me, but he's playing himself. Um, it he's playing the story where he is genuinely his f- family moved into San Francisco, and it's telling this whole story about how uh, gentrification is affecting this city that was once this sprawling culture center yeah and now and it's something it's taken place it's very much a love letter to san francisco but it can be applied to i mean pretty much every town in america i mean orlando we see it or now places like eatonville and places like this that were once just like 
a little bit lower quality. Even wherever I used to live down in the Lee Vista area down by the airports, it used to be like really kind of sketchy. And now since then, they're trying to put in like Publix's and Starbucks and all these kind of things to change it. And while doing that, they're pushing out the people who used to live there because now people can't afford to live there anymore. Yeah, and, and this film, it it is a portrait of gentrification, but it it's also this sort of... Uh, character study of this man who is so attached to this home and this house, this kind of really luxurious uh, house in in the kind of nicer, kind of what you're saying of like this neighborhood that used to be more ethnic and then is being taken over by 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 white suburbia of sorts, um, and just his attachment to this home. And I found the movie to be really theatrical, really beautifully uh shot and the the production design it looks very picturesque like every shot just looks like a painting uh so seeing it on a big screen i'm i I caught the very last possible showing of it in in orlando and i'm so glad i did because it was just really beautiful to look at um the, the colors and and the lighting and the set design and everything about it just it looked absolutely gorgeous um the story itself i found a little bit uh, what's what's the word it, it, unfocused maybe yep uh, it, it's very much i mean this in not even just a negative way but it's very much you can tell that it is his first movie mm-hmm. um not only in that the story is a little bit unfocused but also it's very personal yeah. you can tell that he is just putting his heart and soul on the line here um to that point, though, I think that if this makes sense, I think I love this movie more than I liked it, if you know what I mean by that. Where, like, I really love how personal it is and how much of a love letter to the city that they grew up in. I love all of that, but I just think that there was a lot. There were several different, mostly in the plot itself, uh, some kind of things that a little bit unfocused that characters it doesn't really make sense for them to get to point a to point b without or they get from point a to point c b just is non-existent there um i will say standout of the entire movie is jonathan majors as monty i'm starting his 2025 oscar campaign right now (laughs) he i he honestly his performance made me tear up at multiple points like it really is so great. Um, the other, the main lead here, Jimmy Jimmy Fails, is playing himself. He's playing a character named Jimmy. Um, he was solid. I didn't I, think he was bad, but he is. He shares the screen with this um, Mont, Montgomery Allen Mon Mont Mon Monty Mont. I think Mon is how they refer to him, and he just like he this Mon guy. He kind of commands all of the attention for every scene. And Jimmy, like, he's good, but he never has any kind of standout scenes. Um, but overall, I enjoyed the movie. I'd recommend it. I recommend checking it out. You know, it is a original film. Indie Very film. original. I mean, like you said about how personal the story is. So there's a point when uh, Jimmy talks about how in his, like, dad's friend pulls up in this car that he's living in. And that's yeah. a true thing that Jimmy actually did. Jimmy lived in a car for, like, two three years and just like decked out the inside of this like old shitty beaten up car but he like decked out the inside to make it like a house for him like a a house on wheels there's a lot of details Um, like that throughout the the house itself that they're trying to purchase is so beautiful furniture the 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 paint inside the the and the direction is great like you can it feels like a place that you are going to but it's still it it feels very real but just kind of a uh, fractaled version of our reality. So you're saying check it out if you can. Jury's out on where it'll end up because it'll be on 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 it, honestly, on it's, it's, it's going to be, be somewhere. Yeah, soon. yeah. But uh, I'm assuming theaters are out of the question well, for most people. Here's a tidbit, little little um, cheat cheat code here. Uh, <laughs> Wabam special. If you have a library card. No way. You can access an app called Canopy mm. yep. that has every single A24 movie on it, and it's free. I do library. have a library free. card, actually. I went there the other day, and I got one. Yeah, public library card. Hit up Canopy, K-A, 
N O P Y. Yeah, there's no offer code box there, but if you kind of like like break your phone open a little bit and like drop some droplets of water into it, it'll start fizzing out. Um, then you can like kind of hook up some loose wires into it, and then you won't be able to watch the movie at all. But That's at fine. least you know. So here's what you do: you break your phone. Yeah. You go to the local library. You get a library card. You read some fucking books. Yeah, yeah. and then whenever, you, whenever you get smart enough to actually get a job and buy yourself a new phone, you buy yourself a new phone, and then as a reward for all the hard work you did, you download Canopy and you watch all the A twenty four movies. Or at that point, you can just buy the movie. It'll be out by then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so ten year plan. It's, for it's called. This yeah. movie. It's called the Last Black Man in San Francisco. Uh, critical. I don't know about critical, dar- darling, but festival. Darling yeah. of 2019. I mean, uh, it's, worth checking out. Yeah, very impressive first film. Yeah. My, I have Joe Talbot and Jimmy Fails and especially Jonathan Ma- yeah. Majors now like in the back of my head for future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, got to mention Danny Glover is. In oh yeah, here. Danny Glover is yeah, great. He has a couple good scenes in there. Very heartfelt uh, little part that he has. Uh, so yeah, check out the movie. Very well done. Very beautiful uh, to look at, and uh, yeah. Recommend it. Yeah. Hunter, what else you got? Um, so, uh, first of all, um, you know, people were probably wondering, there's no Game of Thrones. Now, uh, Big Little Lies is all finished up, which, uh, wait for our, we'll do a big old review of that whenever Drew finishes it. But, um, shut up. The new big HBO show is Euphoria. Yeah. It's the big one that all the kids are, uh, talking about. Is no. it is it kids? No, it's it's mostly twenty think... somethings who are like, damn, I'm glad I'm not a kid right now. Yeah, okay, so there's this movie or this show, I should say, has come under like some scrutiny because people are like, oh my god, don't let your kids watch this; it's gonna influence them. That's like very much like this is very clearly like not the norm for children. Um, it takes place uh, in this suburban America where there's everybody is pretty well off for the most part white. I mean, there are some mixed uh some other races in there and stuff. The star of the show uh is Zendaya mm-hmm. of Spider-Man fame of Michi. Yes. <laughs> yeah, of being Michi. Um she is incredible. Um she plays Rue who is a struggling drug addict. Um she OD'd whenever she was 16. Jesus. She started Christ. doing like Vicodin and all these painkillers and stuff when she was like 10, mm-hmm. um, stealing them from her dad who had cancer. And I mean, it really is a show about her struggle being an addict while also being a teenager because you don't get to experience teenage culture in the same way if you have these kind of these ailments that are bring you down that make you like whenever you can't just chill at a party and just have like one drink one drink is gonna lead to you going to drug dealer's house and buying so, all kinds of crazy shit like there's a scene or there's a uh, an episode in this show it might be two episodes in, uh, that i'm thinking of together but where she does roofies like intentionally and just likes to like do roofies and it's so hard to watch because there's not her drug dealer is like her friend but this other really sketchy like the drug dealer's drug dealer comes over and like tries to like rape her this like 16 year old girl oh my God. it's so tough to watch and then and a couple scenes later she's out there like trying to like break into their drug dealer's house to try and get the drugs because she just needs a fix so badly um but as the show has gone on um this so it's is not a feel-good show no this show is i i binged the first four episodes probably because i hate myself and i'm a sociopath oh this show is heavy um i think that the breakout star though from the show is hunter schaefer um who's a transgender woman in real life and in the show, plays this. And she's the new girl in town who moves there, and Rue immediately becomes very close with her. And it's kind of this whole... It, it Now at this point... I mean, this is very, very light spoilers. This is all from, like, the first episode or two. Um, but she is starting to develop this kind of addiction to her in the same way, like... Hunter Schaefer's character Rue or um, 
Jules is replacing Rue's need for drugs. It's this need that I always have to have this person in my life. Because whenever you have addictive uh, personality, it's not just drugs. It's with everything in your life you yeah. are addictive. And you can um, replace the drugs for something else. Yeah, I like definitely podcasting. I I definitely <laughs> recommend this show. Um, it gets better as the season goes along. The first uh, couple episodes, um, they're still good. I they didn't like throw me off the wagon or anything, but there is a lot of trippy scenes. Some of them are really well done. Uh, others are just kind of feel exorbitant. Um. But I still, as the show now, this is a at a point now where it comes on Sunday night, and I watch it Monday the next day. So it, does I it does it show. ever feel overindulgent? Well, because that's what first... I've heard is like some of like the sexual content is mm. like, oh, look at all these young hot. Well, people. so that's a thing in because I mean, there's also different uh, characters in the story that are struggling with their sexuality and stuff like that. This show has, especially in the beginning, so many dicks. I've never seen so many dicks in a TV show. Game of Thrones, step the fuck over, okay? (laughs) Um, But it's not... See, that's why it doesn't really bother me, these things, because it's not really just like they're sexualizing teenagers. Like, it all has a purpose to it. Um, And it kind of hits you in the face in the first couple episodes. That's why I think that kind of took everybody aback as a society whenever the first couple episodes aired. But... Now, as the season going along, everything really does have a purpose, and I wouldn't say that's it's, overindulgent. And it's not upsetting. It is a little bit upsetting. It's not... I mean, this isn't a show that's, like... You don't watch just, like, multiple, like... Not every episode is, like, somebody getting raped or something like that. It's nothing that heavy, but it is a little bit upsetting. It would be much more upsetting if you have, like, children, I would imagine, just because even if this is yeah. the worst nightmare, this is still your worst nightmare of something like this happening, of going out to a party and there's a 23-year-old who might slip you something. And oh, my God. Yeah, no, it's that part of it is upsetting, but I think that where the show really exceeds is in Rue and Jules' relationship, and that's what the back half of the story is really focusing in on, as well as um, I mentioned that there is a character in the show. I don't want to spoil it if anybody wants to listen, but... There is one of the main uh, guys who we're introduced to early on is struggling with his sexuality, and he is truly evil. Like, he is, he is, plays this person who's just very, very psycho, psychotic, and manipulative. And it's, it's a compelling show. So I would recommend it. Euphoria. You, it, you have to be in a mindset for it. This isn't something you can just casually throw on. With the babe one night for a date night and yeah, watch gotta those be, six episodes. Got to be macro dosing. Yeah. <laughs> watch it. Uh, what's next? Um, next, I have you guys watched uh, What We Do in the Shadows? The I watched sh- the, the pilot. The show you're talking the about? The show. Yeah. I just rewatched the movie recently. It's great still. Oh, it's so Hasn't good. changed. The, sh- the movie so is good. amazing. The show is great. Um, I don't know why. It, this show just, I think it's because it was on, was it on FXX? Mm-hmm. Uh, or is that one just of those. on FX? Yeah. Either way, I feel like that's a reason why the show just didn't really get talked about it uh, enough. But I actually started checking it out because I've been always looking at Hulu, and there was a, def- a couple different comedians. I know uh, Jason Manzukis was one of them that talked about like his the best shows on TV this year are Fleabag, What We Do in the Shadows, and I Think You Should Leave. And I was like, Wow, nice. All right, I need to I need to check. That's this good out. company. And <laughs> this show is so good. Um, there's, it's an original cast for the most part. Our girl Beanie Feldstein is in there. Hey, oh, um, epi- like every episode? Not every episode. So, I minor spoiler. The show you can't really spoil. It's all about just the laughs and everything else. But uh, she just plays a virgin uh, girl, um, <laughs> just playing with her D and D crew, and uh, she gets by Natasha Demetrio. See, I, I none of these actors I've ever seen before. They're all like British people. Are, yeah, are they? Nadja. So they're British, not New Zealander. They, Maybe they are New Zealand. I don't know. I'm racist. Who knows? Um, <laughs> no, they are. They're the main, though. The main guy is British, Matt Berry. I yeah, see, Matt Berry is. I see I one of my all-time favorite underrated American actors in, is in this, Mark Proch. Yeah, okay, so so yeah. good. He is on another level. His yeah. um, is he's so always on another level. He dude. plays. He plays an energy vampire. Um, or a daywalker. 
So he, has, he doesn't suck instead of blood. suck blood, he sucks people's energies, and he's just like this is the most common type. You probably know some energy vampires <laughs> in your life that you just talk to them, and it like drains your energy. There. He, you know, he in every so everything he's in, he plays a, a form of an energy vampire. He <laughs> yeah, really does. Exactly. No, that's why it's like the perfect casting to have him in there. But anyways, yeah. Beanie Feldstein just plays this normal person, and she is getting converted into being a vampire. Yeah. And now, as the later episodes are going on, you're watching her transformation and mm. it is great uh, she's it. back for season two there how, is going to be another season. Uh, how many episodes in are we is the whole season no it's not 10 episodes it's our it's all out it's all right out now. wow um Man, i we, don't we're know bad. we're doing bad it's about to leave hulu i think um but it's i'm not, sure it's not on hulu it's on hulu for me yeah, because you have, have Hulu. I have Hulu plus with live, live TV, TV, so I don't know. <sighs> Would but, you just? Shut I mean, up you can it. still just like watch it on FX's channel. I'm sure if you have cable, or you can just find some sketchy uh, Chinese website what, to watch it. Yeah, off of. Um, th- that's probably what I might do. <laughs> yeah. How? What percent of our audience do you guys think has cable? Well, I mean, there's like there's like PlayStation View, there's you know yeah. Hulu Live TV. Well, it depends. Older people, like I feel like the whole thing is that you have like some form of basic cable, so you can watch sports, mm. and then you'll have like your Netflix, Hulu, HBO, something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's it's getting younger harder. and younger people. It's d- there's, especially there's, now that there is like a PlayStation View, yeah, YouTube, or, YouTube TV. Yeah, it's harder. It's getting harder to watch live sports without cable. I'm now in a private Discord that has links to a shadow subreddit that has uh, like a secret subreddit that has streaming links for NBA games including yeah, including Summer League yeah. oh cause on Reddit um, they just they take banned, those down they banned r slash yeah. NBA streams yeah. but then now the only post on there is a link to a discord <laughs> and now I'm in there with like um, hundreds of thousands did, of people around I did want to say that I the the pilot for this show is written by Jermaine Clement and directed by Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement directs the next three episodes and then Taika Waititi directs episode seven and episode ten. So even though they're not in the show, they're very they're heavy, involved. Yeah, they. I mean, they work. They're show running it, so they're still like helping write all the scripts and everything. I'm glad you brought them up because they pop up. Yeah, oh, there is. Gotta... I I can't even spoil. There's episode seven, the trial. That's the one I've is... heard about. Is that the one with um with what's his name, Kroll? Yeah, like everybody. No, no, no. Kroll is in a different. Kroll is just playing another vampire in the city or something like that. But there are so many cameos in this episode that will like blow your mind that you see that and you're like, isn't Tilda Swinton in it? Tilda Swinton's it. Fucking Dave Bautista's in it. Yeah, I am. (laughs) I'm looking at the the one episode section on IMDb and it's pretty wild. It's so good. And it all like like Tilda Swinton as a vampire. Perfect. Like of course, yeah, of course. She's she always be a vampire. vampire, and she plays herself. Yeah, she's just playing. No this way. Um, I thought yeah. she would play like Mad- Madame Suspiria. Oh, Suspiria. What's her name <laughs> from Suspiria? Yeah, that. <laughs> um, and then one other thing to touch on, of course, in that last episode, we also talked about um, just all the other Comic Con news, including. The most anticipated movie for all of us for yeah. the next like ten years. Fuck Blade. Fuck Blade, dude. Fuck. I'm such shit. Top Gun Maverick is coming out next year, guys. Ooh. This is. I'm. I think I'm like more excited for this than I am like any upcoming Marvel movie. I'm more excited for this than probably I am the last Skywalker. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah, I am. The last last that's Skywalker, not, Rise of Skywalker, so, uh, Fall so of Skywalker. You're more excited for Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, because I have Rise no of level of excitement for a, oh, a Star okay. Wars movie. So, I don't. They're not good. <laughs> have you guys? Have you guys have seen Top Gun? Right. I've never yes, seen Top Gun. I saw it when I was wee. I was spending the night at my friend's house, and he put it on. He was like, "Dude, you haven't seen Top Gun." I was like eight or nine. He was like, "This is." And most movies that I've seen when I was that age didn't leave a big imprint on me, but. That movie definitely did because it was one of the first adult movies I had seen, and it's very pornographic. Didn't turn me gay, honestly. <laughs> it, it probably should have. It's it's a really gay movie. Oh, it's and, the most homoerotic yeah, movie in a, ever made. Yeah, not in a derogatory sense of the word. Like it's it's just a gay movie. Like yeah. it's an iconic gay well, movie. <laughs> so okay, so there's a couple different things. I've been going now since Top Gun Maverick's been announced. Uh, there's been all these like. Top Gun think pieces that have come out. I should say, I grew up loving this movie. This was like 
my sister, it's epic. my sister and me used to just watch this all the time. Her first dog is named Maverick. Um, <laughs> nice. It was between that or Goose, but you know. Either, I mean, um, those are both great. Get two dogs. So there's so many things about this movie that are just incredible. Like the best part though is um, the director of this movie, Tony Scott, gives this whole R.I.P. Yeah, he gave this whole thing about um, this explanation of the whole the iconic beach volleyball scene. And uh, he described it as, like, to the the costume and the makeup team, he was just like, I want softcore porn. Yeah. I just want you to spray them down with baby oil, yeah. and we're going to shoot this at, at dusk yeah. with the sun falling off their Tom face. Tom Cruise is going to play volleyball in jeans in and jeans no shirt. With a watch on. on you the don't beach. play volleyball with a watch. Yeah. That is impactful You'll to your- bust your watch yeah. and your wrist. And your wrist. Um, Amazing. This it's so cool, and the best part about this is like, it's not CGI. They are actually flying fucking planes in this movie, mm-hmm. and that you're watching real dogfights happen in the air. Yeah, they and that got can't be underestimated. Yeah, they got a lot of help. I'm assuming you also listened to the rewatchables about this, I did. right? Yeah, yeah. They, shout out to the rewatchables <laughs> podcast. Uh, no, don't don't look it up. We got look, we'll do a, a better one. Uh, they got a lot of help in production from the actual military. Obviously, they got access to all of their like best you know f-14s mm-hmm. and stuff and uh the other byproduct of that other than like really quality scenes in airplanes is that the military conflict could not be more vague in the movie like it's literally you have no clue who they're fighting yeah because, because the, the military was like well you don't want to say russia we kind of have some problems with them don't say the middle east we are in there yeah. you know like so it's just like yeah we got bogeys like <laughs> yeah we gotta kill gotta take down the bogeys like who are and they one fighting of, and it shows at one point the other person and they look like they could be in like a Star Wars movie they're just wearing all black with like a red star on their helmet and you're like I guess that could be anyone. yeah they're like they're fighting like Ewoks <laughs> um, no there's this movie is just it's aged beautifully uh, mostly because whether it was intentional or not there's so much comedy in this movie with the homoeroticism and also yeah. just the fact that um Tom Cruise and Kelly McGillis have no chemistry whatsoever. Yeah, because um, he's a not a person. He's a robot. Yeah. Like, well and also, but to this point, Tom Cruise is fucking hot in this movie. He which definitely is. It only happened for like a short period of time early in his career. But like I was watching this movie at my house and Guy walked in the room and Guy was just like, oh my God, Tom Cruise is a fucking babe. Like, <laughs> Jesus. Because he is, he is hunky in yeah. this movie. He is a sexy yeah. dog. Even though he's like five foot one. <laughs> yeah, it is. It I is know, so right? Fu- so there's one That's scene. That's always mind blowing. There's one scene when, because for the most part, they have him like up on stilts or they have Kelly McGillis standing in a trench or something for their scenes together. <laughs> but there's one point whenever he walks into a room it's Tom Cruise, Val Kilmer, and Anthony Edwards who play Iceman and Goose. And they walk into a room, and I guess they just like, it's an error of the movie. They forgot to put him on stilts. But Tom Cruise comes up to Val Kilmer's fucking shoulder. It's so, it's just a little split second thing. I was like, oh. Oh man, there he is. There's our little guy. So yeah. short guy. By the way, Val, awesome. Dude, Val Kilmer is he's great. Uh he's like one of the, gives one of the best bad performances of all time. Yeah, yeah. Cuz he always well, capable of good and we know it. But so he, he came just, in He just hams it up in Yeah, this he movie. just came in and he was like, "You know, I'm taking my nuts out." Like it's happening. <laughs> and he does and it's great. It's is he's really really good. Uh, the most underrated Batman. There's I really <laughs> before uh before Top Gun Maverick comes out, Ernest, you have to see the first Top Gun movie. It's just, it's it's not like Citizen Kane. That's why, like, whenever they said they're remaking Top Gun, I was like, fuck yeah, give it to me. Because they're not remaking, like, fucking art. Like, this is just It's not a remake. Fun. It's like a legacy no, it's it's a, sequel. It's a sequel. But, I mean, if you've seen the the trailer for it after watching Top Gun, it looks like they're taking, like, shot-for-shot style well, Correct me if I'm wrong, it. it has been a while, but Goose uh, dies, right? Yes, Goose sorry. dies. I'm so sorry, Ernest. So, <laughs> that's like one of the iconic deaths in yeah, cinema exactly. history. Yeah, so, so, so yeah, it's definitely not a remake. Unf- I'm sad that there's no Goose involved. But I think it's it's been a, a rumor that our boy Miles Teller is going to play Goose Jr. 
He's gonna play mm-hmm. the son of Goose. That does fit and because Goose does have like a, a very unconventional attractiveness to him. He's definitely Anthony Edwards totally has that thing. Yeah, too, where he's, he's like a goofball, that's what I'm saying. His silly mustache. Yeah, he's like a kind of like hot for a sidekick, which is what Miles Teller is in my opinion. I don't find that guy attractive. He's not at all. a he's not a leading man. Um, he's a good sub. Yeah, I'm, guy. I know that he was in a bad car wreck that did disfigure him slightly. But listen, it's it's the truth. We all saw Whiplash. Like, we know what happened to him. He's like <laughs> Kyrie Irving. You can't win a movie if he's your number one guy, but he makes a great well, number two. I guess the number one guy in Whiplash is is J.K. Yeah, and also JK steals that and movie. also Damien Chazelle is above him in, yeah. the, in, the, in the order of importance to the movie. Mm-hmm. But he, I mean, he's great in it. He's I, I still like the guy. He just another thing that's going against Miles is he has a voice like Peyton Manning, like so weird. Yeah, I, and I don't want to keep talking about this because maybe that was also a part of the car crash. Oh, man. Well, I mean, as you guys know, what if before the car crash, she was like, "Hey, I'm Miles." <laughs> if you guys know, since if at this point our one spot time in Hollywood review has come out, but also speaking of voices that go to shit, Michael Madsen's voice just—what happened to his voice? Well, wait, he's in Top Gun. No, no, no. I'm just oh, talking okay. about in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood versus. Reservoir Dogs, where I mean, he has like this like smooth jazz piano player voice, yeah, and then he, like he just like, and I don't know if something horrible happened to his voice or if it's just from years of no, I, I, yeah, he he has even like, in Kill Bill though his voice is just shot. Well, yeah, everything yeah. that ha- like his whole look and everything is the look of a guy who is an alcoholic and smokes a lot and probably did some sort of drugs. Like oh, he, man, uh, yeah, every, like he fell off in a big way. Uh, but in the in his heyday, woo. He was he was yeah so he good. could have he could have had like a Dustin Hoffman esque career yeah. Yeah. but he just never really um, got that. Anyways, Top Gun, great movie. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. So eighties, it's a, best... it's a great time capsule movie. It's like a top five eighties time capsule, and movie. it's an Oscar winning movie. For what? Take my breath away. For oh, best original song. song. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, like I said, eighties time capsule. Well, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of men who enjoy fun romp activities together, like flying jet planes, I ch- I okay, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll start with that one. I did change the. Order. <laughs> I thought you were gonna go in a different direction, so I bit the bullet. I put all of my faith in friend of the pod Ray because mm-hmm. he really he said that. The movie Tag, which mm-hmm. we have, we've talked about a lot. It's the movie that we've talked about the most without any of us watching <laughs> yeah. it easily. We uh, followed the the saga of Renner's yeah. CGI arms Cat, heavily. Yeah, in exactly. The Cats may eclipse it eventually if we don't see it, mm-hmm. but we oh, have, we're going opening fucking night. Oh, Fuck Star God. Wars. We're gonna go see Cats. <laughs> we yeah, we've talked about it. We'll a lot. do a Cats Star Wars double feature. Kill Let me. us know which one to start I, with and which one to end. I on. just I figured one of us had to see it. Much in the same way that if I win the summer movie wager, uh, I'm gonna make us watch We Bought a Zoo because oh, we we no. just have to. the mo- The podcast is named after it. <laughs> we're frauds. People think we're cinephiles. I think that the movie's named after the podcast. Oh, okay. well then that changes everything. Yeah. E- either way though, they think we like movies and we haven't seen We Bought a Zoo. <laughs> Come on. Uh, I did see Tag. Okay. I did watch Tag. It was a hangover day. I watched it in bed. I don't like watching good movies when I'm hungover. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like, but, but was it the parabola? No, the <laughs> the parabola does have a variance when you're hungover. That's a whole different shape of graph. Yeah, uh, that's okay. like a seven is the best hangover movie. I think uh, okay. Limitless is the best because it's low key. I would give it a ten, but it is still a seven. That those movies are hangover movies, like '80s action movies, that type of deal. So I was like, you know, how how is Limitless not part of your letterbox? top four <laughs> yeah we should just i've do seen our it own... more than most movies limitless is a 10 out of 10 on the rewatchable scale yeah it literally no i'm not joking it is it's an outlier on the graph it's a rare outlier because it is a 10 and you it's know, like it's know a top to five do... frat bro movie too like that pulp it's a lot of tarantino in there I too in that top i don't want to but... derail your tag uh thoughts but we need, don't you dare <laughs> we need to watch the tv show that limitless, the limitless TV show EP'd by Bradley Cooper in heavy quotation marks. Oh, well, I didn't tell you guys. If I win the summer movie wager, I'm making you guys watch the show, the show not epi- the movie. No, we should do an episode where, where it's like that the Lapkus and Gabrus uh, raised by TV where yeah. they watch the pilot in the last episode. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm down for that. That's a fun idea that we just came up with right now and then edit out what you said about raised by TV. <laughs> yeah. Um, That'd be fun. Also, here's another rule we're going to have. If if 
someone does ever win the, the summer movie wager and gets every single thing right, yeah, oh. we have to watch the whole show. That's how it works. Oh if you get every single oh, movie man. in the right order, you get. That'll be how I get like you, Drew, to watch all of Twin Peaks. Is I'll just get it all right and be like, you got to yeah. watch it now. No, I'm gonna make you guys watch every episode of Jeopardy. Oh, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> like 30 I, well, that, good that, luck. That, I'm already that's... mostly there, yeah. so you guys are gonna be geniuses <laughs> when we're done. Anyway, Tag. I watch Tag. Uh, all the tangents are conducive to how I feel about it. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> didn't love How's it. How's John Hamm? Uh, so John Hamm is really great. Um, I I do think back often to a really funny tweet by uh, at Dance Remix. I, it might be a private Twitter account now, but it's a it's a writer who said, "How bad is John Hamm's agent that he agrees to do tag and he's not the cool one? <laughs> like he's Don Draper. He takes a comedy role that's you know could be perceived as below him, and he and he gives the cool role to Renner. Yeah, that's how is Renner." Well, <laughs> no does one is, he sing? The thing about <laughs> uh, that's a good question. He I does. Don't think uh, so. He does the whole soundtrack. <laughs> the thing about the movie is, Tag. no one is bad in it, and also no one is no one's jumping off the screen. No one is no one is better than anyone else in Tag. Mm. Uh, the movie has a mm, very so it's like a perfect game of Tag. You we, could say. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing I did learn yeah. in the movie is a perfect game and tag everyone's as good as each other. Renner is a game breaker. He's never been tagged in like 30 years. <laughs> Let uh, me guess he gets tagged at the end. Well, okay. I guess I'll just Don't spoil all. Don't fucking spoil tag <laughs> so, for the listeners. The movie does have, I think we probably have said this before. It has a, a mid to later 2000s feel to it, like a 2008 or 9 feel. The whole concept of it, like bros broing out. There's a female reporter that is like traveling with them just to chronicle their story. That's a very like late 2000s yeah. thing. Just a woman being like, Oh, you guys are weird. And their their wife characters are just like, huh, I don't approve of so this. So that's, well, what they did is it is tweaked to be more modern in that sense. The two of the wife characters are very, very into tag. Like they get super deep into it. Which is one is, of them Judy Greer? No, <laughs> that would be a. a she real, always gets like the thankless. That would be a real role. early 2000s thing. Uh, one of them is uh, Isla Fisher or Isla Fisher, mm -hmm. who plays uh, Ed Helms's wife. Discount Amy Adams. <laughs> yeah, she. The thing. Well, Amy Adams could not have done this role because this was like a way over the top role. Uh, so she's like way, way into tag. Uh, the, I guess I wasn't. It, it was exactly where I thought it would be. So I don't even want to talk about it much because I saw it. I was like, well, I'm not, I didn't turn it off. So it must not be that bad. Right. I did not, uh, my eyes were not glued to the screen. Uh, if I thought of a funny Twitter draft, I wrote it down. I did not wait. You know what I mean? Like if I, <laughs> if I was like, Hey, I wonder what Jake Johnson has been doing lately. I, you know, some, some movies you see someone and you don't even want to look them up during the movie. Cause it's just so good. Mm -hmm. This was not one of those. Like I looked up everyone. <laughs> uh, it added to your experience of the film. Yeah. Jake Johnson is very good. I think I, I mean, I really love Jake Johnson. He's great in new girl. He's great in spider verse. He's good in this. He plays like the slacker stoner. Uh, I guess you could argue that. No, I would, I would say John Hamm is the best. He, he plays like this rich, uh, insurance guy what about uh, Hannibal Hannibal is good he has some funny lines but that's what they use him for and because he's not writing them all it's below him like oh. he, he is funnier than the movie yeah so it's just not there you well, know what I mean we know him yeah mainstream like we, audiences they'll be like hey that's what I'm saying guy. and his delivery is always on point like he, that's the whole thing about Hannibal his voice is incredible yeah. um so it goes how you think they play the tag uh I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> I so Renner, I've been on record as being not a big fan of the guy. Um, he, we did unfortunately the the listeners have lost our whole discussion about his music career, which is just thriving. If you didn't yeah. know, he's yeah. popping off. He's doing stomp, clap, rock. <laughs> um, I think that he is the number one artist. In the world, yeah, he just did a remix with uh, Lil Nas X. Yeah, he of just, Old Town well, Road. yeah, and he's sold more records than any artist ever combined. It's just, <laughs> it's. I I thought of another good comp for that style of music. It's it's artists who 
listened to the only song that they heard by Arctic Monkeys was Do I Want to Know? And they mm. took all the wrong lessons from that song. <laughs> and all their songs are like that. When really one is more than enough for Do I Want to Know? Like the rest of the album can't also yeah. sound like And they're also like, this is too boring. Let's add <laughs> more. Uh, yeah commercial i don't like this guy's british voice you have like a vague country twang but you can't really locate yeah. where is it texas country yeah. and is it georgia country and a lot of like not words like a lot of like oh oh heaven don't have a name <laughs> that's right yeah that's it that's sounds how right. it sounds so, it might as well be right i don't think he's super bad in this movie his character is just basically a sociopath like it's it gets like concerning like it's how are the arms all he cares about is tag i will say i didn't notice the arms wasn't focusing on them well he's wearing long sleeves the entire movie he is uh but it does fit his character because his character is a sociopath um, and I feel like those guys don't wear T-shirts. Yeah. Everyone's you know? like, it's hot out, Jeremy. Yeah, and he's like, I like to sweat. It's summertime in L.A., and you're just wearing a sweater. He just, like, at one point, him and his fiance fake a miscarriage, like, so that he cannot get tagged. <laughs> like, they have him pinned, and then she comes in, and she, like, is yelling at them, and she, then she fakes a miscarriage. She's like, oh, my, my baby, my stomach. Oh. And they're, like, crying and shit. Like, that's uh that's so she's in on the game she's, that's she's down well, yeah. sold on the movie that is a so that is like brutal and you know the so, other characters do react accordingly but it's just like i don't know man they should not even make up with him after that like that is <laughs> why would you want your friend to be that guy who does that shit like that is absolutely beyond the pale uh the movie itself it's a i don't know i'm sorry ray it's a, i'm gonna give it a six there are seems, funny moments. One that Ray pointed out was extremely funny. He, uh, uh, who is it? John Hamm is, you know, he's in his office in the very beginning and he's like, <laughs> Ed Helm sneaks in and he's about to tag him. And John Hamm's like, you know, yeah, right. You fucking will. And I will say the action is very well directed. So it looks very sleek. Like he's about Stylized. to, he's about to make his big escape and he throws his chair into a window and much like it would in real life. It, the chair just bounces back and like hits him because windows don't just break. <laughs> um, so there are moments. There is good action direction. Uh, there are really not funny moments that are supposed to be funny. In particular, these action scenes, whenever it slows down, they fucking they do uh, voiceover like the thoughts of each character. Oh, it cuts to every corny. character, and Renner's just like. The slight smell of weed. Jake Johnson's behind me. He's coming up on the left. You're like, it's just like, shut up, shut up. And then and it cuts to like, you know, the, you know, Hannibal. And he's just thinking about like, why do they call it a hot dog or whatever? Like, it's just, that's bad comedy. That's not funny. That's why I got to give it Hannibal a Hannibal always gets written as like the stupid stoner. Yeah. And like, well, luckily he's Hannibal's not, career. he's not a stupid stoner in this. He's just like a uh, kind of spaced out guy. Jake Johnson is a stupid stoner. Um, however, it's just whatever. After the movie, during the credits, they show videos that the guys the who real, actually yeah. play tag shot while playing tag, and it's better than the movie easily. Like they actually <laughs> should it's, have been a documentary. They're all like older dudes. They're all ugly, obviously, like like fifty something white dudes, yeah. and they actually are like having a great time, which is the point of it. Not like avoiding it like you're about to get shot. Like that's not what they do. They just kind of like chase each other and have fun for a month, you know. Anyway, I'm done with it. Next, next on the list, uh, a similarly lighthearted uh, venture as far as reviewing goes. I watched Aziz's new special a couple of weeks ago when it came out, and on Netflix. Yeah, I didn't. I haven't had. I guess we haven't had time to, for me to really talk about it. Um, I don't want to go too deep into it. Uh, I have had time to sit on it because it is a conflicting feeling that you get from the special. Basically, two things are simultaneously true about the mo- uh, about the special. The first one is that it is his best special ever. It is a huge step forward for his material. It is better than like the material is radically different from anything he's ever done. It's more subdued. It's more calm because after what happened, he could not put on a suit and get back on the stage and run around again because that's not how we see him anymore. Uh, Even if you don't think what he did was a big deal, that would yeah the the public image is a little tainted yeah and especially because in the special he did need to address it and he yeah. does address it and it starts with him addressing it uh he eases into it with a very funny joke i'll say that uh and then his his actual addressing of what happened is kind of half-assed oh kind of 
Yeah. I, I oh, you saw it? So, um, here's the thing. So, I started the special because I heard, like, it's like, all right, yeah, you know, your shot's really good. So, it begins with him doing a whole joke about how somebody mixes him up with Hassan Minaj out in public because, you know, they're both brown. Um, and then that's the whole, like, point of the joke. And then he's just like, oh, wait, no, yeah, you're the guy who's in uh, Parks and Rec. You're the guy who does this. You're the, uh, oh, you're the guy who did the sexual misconduct. And he's just like, no, no, no that's no, no, no. Hassan Minaj. Yeah. And then he tries to give an apology, but it's not an apology. Well, that that is the literally the central flaw of the whole thing is he actually doesn't apologize. He just talks about he, and it. And he just, no, his whole thing, it made me so mad that I literally, I just turned it off because I was like, just fuck this thing <laughs> is that he's just like, yeah, you know, man, afterwards I had like some of my friends coming up to me and they're like, man. I've been doing the same thing that you were, and I didn't realize there was anything wrong with that. So anyways, let's tell some jokes now. And it's like, what the fuck is that? So you're just going to be chalk it up to like, yeah, dudes are gross. Oh, well. So, yeah, the issue is he says that instead of saying that it made even he doesn't even say it made him rethink anything. No, it doesn't. It just says that it made other people in his yeah, life. Think he just about says, themselves. I mean, he says, like, I felt really horrible that she felt that way, which is. Uh, the, you know, the asshole's way of apologizing is saying, I'm sorry you feel that way, not I'm sorry that I did that to you. It's removing yourself from the equation of, be, of feeling bad. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I'm sorry you got hit by a car when you hit someone with your car. <laughs> like, no, I'm sorry I hit you with my fucking car. It's not a genuine so, apology. Yeah, and the thing is, I do, like, he was on, this is like, you know, a, a lame conversation to have, but he was on like the far lower end of the Me Too movement as far as his offense. It was nothing prosecutable. Uh, it wasn't Weinstein level. It was not, as far as we know, it was not a serial occurrence, although I wouldn't be shocked if it were because I'm sure that it is. will. The thing is, if you ask any woman if that knows what he did, that is a, something that I would say maybe the majority of guys do. Uh, the difference is that the majority of guys are not. Uh, powerful. Well, and also that that just saying that doesn't excuse the action that he had. Well, no, he that's just, what I'm he's saying. He's literally just like using his power and his position to his advantage. To be like, well, I'm famous, so get to sucking like that. Like, fuck that. No, that's not. Even if he's not raping women, that's still like not a cool yeah. thing to do, and it's something that's worth apologizing. If he would have come out and been very forward and apologized for it and been just like i've learned from my mistakes if he could have done that then i would have been able to move past it but just it wasn't an apology that, it just like, wasn't it would see it's not even a half-assed apology it's just a non-existent apology just rubbed me in such a wrong way that i was like no nah, i can't yeah no. it it truly like he could have done so much better because it's one one step was addressing it um and like you said like just because it's a, such a common occurrence he's still I mean, he is the figurehead of that occurrence now that so many dudes have done. I've talked to plenty of girls who have said, yeah, a lot of guys do that. They suck. Guess guess if most of those women who have been through that want to see him doing stand-up. No. Of course they don't. I watched it out of curiosity to see how he would try to reclaim his career after this. Um, and like I said, the stand-up itself was really, really, like, it was a huge step forward. The central problem with it was that it was being delivered by Aziz Ansari mm. uh, when he doesn't need to do that. Like, there's there's a gulf between being canceled and doing an hour that is all about where our culture is at. Like, is should he be the arbiter or you know the the great mediator of what is right and wrong in society even if a lot of his stand-up is not claiming to know what's right and wrong it, the whole hour is talking about it and no matter how funny and and well delivered a lot of his points are like it's not just all about like the women stuff he just gets into everything that's happened the last couple of years and if any other comic had that material it would be unbelievably good but it's him and there's just so the whole time you have that in, in the back you have of your head. yeah you have that feeling you and personally i had i could not escape the feeling no matter how good the comedy was that this was a calculated career move and that is something you could say of most comedy specials in general because they all are literally career moves if you tape an hour that's a career move uh, but this one especially like this was a big like how is he going to come back like what's he going to do and Every every choice he made seems calculated to me. He stripped down the stage so there's like really no 
you know, there's no uh, pizzazz about it. Like, there's no. It's directed by Spike Jones. Yeah, it's directed by Spike Jones. There's a lot of handhold, handheld camera. It goes into close ups. Uh, I'm trying to remember if it's in black and white or if it just feels like it's in black and white. Either way, uh, it's it's that type of feel. And what he's wearing is what got me the most. It's like Zoomies sponsored the the special. Like he's wearing like a Metallica T-shirt and like skinny jeans and like skeleton Vans. Yeah. He just and, wants to be a guy, you know. Well, that's the just thing. Another guy. I don't know what his personal style is, but I don't think it's that. I think that that was a move. I think that there was a wardrobe person, and he said to them. I want to become one of the people. I need people to realize that I'm on their level. Do you do you think that this was his one chance to offer that apology? Or do you think that there is still room for that in the future? I think that this was mainly what we're going to hear. Like, maybe if he gets asked about it, he'll have to defend himself again. But this was his apology. And it was good enough for a lot of people. People that we know personally and people that, like, I totally respect uh, you know, when discussing this special, have completely not discussed that aspect of it. I mean, he had to discuss it to some extent. There was no way that he was going to come out with yeah. an hour and not touch it at all, and yeah. not address it. So at all. the the fact that he did is a step forward, but it was not done. It was not. I handled just don't well. know. Like, if I was his publicist, then I would say, "Hey, we're gonna have this special. It's gonna come out in like two weeks on Netflix." We're going to sit you down with Hollywood Reporter and just do a whole little profile piece where you can actually apologize. If I was his publicist, that's what I would do. And then your comedy, people can just look at it as being just like, yeah, he did some sketchy stuff, but he has come out. He's apologized. He's donated money, do whatever celebrities do to try and make right. He went through all the motions, and now I can just enjoy this as a special. But instead, he tried to combine that into one thing in his comedy special and without even actually giving a genuine apology it just seems like nothing that's why i don't even know if there is a route where he can apologize now because now it'll be like oh you're only apologizing because your first apology wasn't good enough well it yeah well the other the thing is though in the eyes of most people uh it is good enough like most people are not reacting severely well, to what this I was, at all. What I was going to say dudes. is, like... Most people in general. Either, on Letterboxd, just, it seemed, most people who reviewed it, men and women, were just like, this funny man, funny man's back. Either, either people aren't aware of the incident, or it falls into this tired trap, uh, consistent trap, of, like, people thinking that the woman was out to get him, you know, yeah. trying to... Trying to uh, it's that... that recurring thing of like not believing women not trusting women thinking that they have an agenda no yeah yeah i fully believe that what happened happened and i fully believe that like aziz genuinely just didn't even know that he was being completely toxic like guys just get into that sort of pattern you know it's a pattern of behavior i'm sure there have been other women none came forward probably i mean because there's really no incentive to ever come forward anyone who does is braver than i am (laughs) yeah so just a little you get shit talked everywhere you know a little sidebar so i've been uh watching re-watching uh parks and rec at the house uh just you know nia mix it up from going to sleep to the office every night so parks and rec and i just got to the part where um ann and tom start dating and (laughs) there's multiple lines in the show that kind of cue off like oh Z's. Maybe you shouldn't say that. There's one line, though, in particular, whenever they're recording Leslie's... It's the episode where they're recording Leslie's theme song for her uh, her whole uh, campaign and everything else like that. And uh, he keeps pestering Anne to get back together with her and doing all these like kind of gross things. And then uh, at the end of it, she's just like, God, Tom, you wore me down. Like, fine, we'll date. And Tom's just like, the three most sweetest words out in the human women language, <laughs> you wore me down. Oh, and I was no. like, oh, God, that has oh, yeah. aged so badly. Yeah, especially if, like, dude, if you watch anything from, like, even, like, five years ago, it feels like a different time. It, yeah, it like, really things does. Things have changed so uh, radically and for the better. But you... early seasons of The Office are like this. Like, the, think about the Amy Adams episode oh, yeah. <laughs> with whenever she comes to sell uh, yeah. sell uh, purses at the office and everything else. There's so much women degrading dialogue, and it's all like done for. It seems like that's coming across for more of like a it's the, purposeful yeah, it's, place, and it's also character jokes. Yeah, to, usually on that show, where like it's a dumbass who's saying something sexist, but right. like 
same with like 30 rock there are a lot of jokes that just like even though it was like six years ago no way in hell would they fly now and i'm not saying they're not funny like i i went on my whole <laughs> diatribe about 30 rock but anyway this special it's just tricky it is so well executed except for the most important part of it and that's I mean, at, at toward the end of the special, he does another thing that bothered me, which is, like, like in the beginning, he gets really quiet in the beginning. Like, that's the whole thing he does. Like, you know, it's all close up. He's he's almost whispering this story to be like, oh, I'm not being a comedian right now. Like, I'm really talking to you. Does it again at the end to thank the audience for uh, being there. He was like genuinely from the bottom of my heart. Like, I didn't know if I'd be allowed to do this again, and it means the most to me in the world. And you can take that at surface level, and it. You know, the audience certainly seemed very touched, and it is relatively touching if you remove what happened from it. But there's just the second lens that you can watch this whole fucking special through, you know, which is he's eliciting pity from a crowd because he almost wasn't allowed to be rich and famous anymore. He was almost just allowed to be rich. <laughs> yeah. Which is not bad he's like, still i mean at the end of the day he's still just like another man who did some gross shit and is going to essentially get away with it the, yeah so. the thing is even if he weren't like even if we didn't let him be a comedian anymore he would still be so rich and he'll be so getting, successful he'll be getting those royalty checks from parks and rec from until everyone. he dies he has yeah. so much Master he's, of none, he started movies he, all of his netflix specials have gotten so many views he's so so rich he likes being isolated anyway he's moved to japan and italy to get away from people and he's like oh I almost had to stop doing stand-up. And that that really rubbed me the wrong way. And that's what the whole special is. It's it's like a perfectly executed, except for the the lack of apology, comeback special. And you can feel the gears of it. You can feel the agenda. And that's what mm. that's what brought it down for me, you know? Damn. Well, it's on Netflix now. <laughs> if you wanna check it out, it's a mixed recommendation from Drew. <laughs> I probably won't watch it. To I be I, with I you. don't recommend it, but then again, I only got five minutes in, and <laughs> I I got angry and then turned it off. I so. might I might check it out at some point. I would be more interested in seeing a third season of Master of None to see how he could approach the topic. Well, okay, from so that lens. thinking of Master of None, think about season two of Master of None that tries to encounter the whole Me Too movement and everything else like that. That has not aged great at all. Where he's just like, yeah, my boss has done some really sketchy stuff. Oh yeah, with Bobby Cannavale. Yeah, with Bobby Cannavale. That's right. And it's just like, ah, oh, I now I don't even know if I want to rewatch that show because they're the seedlings yeah. will all be in there. It's just rough. It's like I, I, you're right though that that would be a a better avenue for him to pursue instead of stand up because that show doesn't require him to be an arbiter of what is right and, and his wrong. character in that show is more of a shithead. Yeah, like him doing stand up, especially now with his topical material, is like. I am going to speak about what I think about all this stuff. And it's like, it, it almost, this is a fucked up analogy, but it's like when that woman would come every spring break at our high school and she would talk about, you know, how her yeah. daughter died in a drunk driving the accident. And she would say, I, you know, I haven't had a drink in my life and I haven't missed out on anything. And it's like, well, that I don't, your viewpoint is so biased that I'm not going to just stop drinking because a lady whose kid died because of drinking told me that. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's and she didn't do anything wrong. He did something wrong. So it's like, you know, let, let's talk about why a lot of this stuff isn't a big deal. And he makes amazing points and funny points. But it's like, well, I know that where you're trying to push me here, buddy. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on. You can anyway. feel the gears of it. That's well said. That That's the whole point of it is that yeah. you can feel the agenda behind it. So anyway. that's it for this episode of We Bought a Mic. Uh, you can listen to our review of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, if you haven't already, and our Quentin Tarantino rankings. And coming up, we have Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, the last big release of summer 2019. It's been rough, guys. It's been a rough summer. Um, rough year. I just want to really. say you're forgetting Angry Birds 2. Mm-hmm. You're Pop forgetting uh, Good Boys. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Fuck that. Movie. Maybe Good Boys will actually be great. The Art of Racing in the Rain. Oh, no. See, you're proving my point. <laughs> so uh, stick around for that. Hopefully, we will have a commentary track for Rampage with Friend of the Pod, Adam, wow. coming Don't at tease you. Me. 
because uh, of the uh, the Oscar pool that Adam and I won, and that was his pick for uh, for you guys to watch. So we'll watch it and we'll talk about it. And until then, you can check us out at We Bought a Mic on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Leave us a review, five stars, if you please. Tell your friends about the show if you like what we do here. And uh, email us at webottomike at gmail.com with maybe your thoughts on tag, your thoughts on cats, your thoughts on anything that we talk about, or just DM us, at us, whatever you like. Uh, spread the word. Uh, anything you guys want to plug at all? No. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Letterbox, yeah. at Hunt Mobley. All those links are below. Uh, until next time, keep it wabammy. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, she tastes like lipstick and tank All I remember, she grew up in Atlanta, but she moved to the Bay. An uptown beauty you can never escape.